Recording, recording. Okay, so we're going to talk about module B2, Keep on the Borderlands. Uh, first, we're going to start with the introduction section. My first question for you is, okay, did you, uh, did you play or run any games with this module with groups before you did it with us children? B2. Keep, Keep on the Borderlands. Yes, I did. And it was with uh, our friends, um, Dwayne, uh, Hanson, um, Mark Eads, and, oh, I can't remember his name now, Easton, Bob Easton. Do you want to describe, do you remember exactly what you, you guys did there, or? Well, basically, we followed the uh, prescribed um, uh, modulated numbered uh, encounters. Um, I wasn't very creative. Um, I just took what they said was supposed to be there, and that's all. Um, so a lot of the rooms were totally empty. And, uh, you know, not even a trap or anything. I uh, didn't uh, start developing other things for those empty rooms until I started working with my children. Um, so, also, I also had one adventure with uh, Lance's namesake and his two sisters, but they went through that place pretty rapidly because of the lack of things to do in them. It was quick. Anything in this room? No. On to the next room. And they went through the module rather rapidly. So you always just ran the module. You never actually played through it? Correct. So the only time you've played it is when I ran it for you? Yes. I'm not sure if you actually played it any times I did it. I don't remember. I've run it a couple times. I don't know who played. Yeah, um... I never played in it except for when you were running it. Yeah. Okay. Um, next questions. Uh, how many times do you remember running this module for us? I know it was more than once. For you guys? Every time, almost every time you brought a new person to play with us, I ran it. Almost every time. So, like, it's got to have been at least ten times. Okay. That's more than I thought. I knew it was a lot, but ten? <laughs> yeah, I'd say ten. Uh, okay, do you remember, well, you said basically every new character, so that answers that question. Yeah. I was going to ask which characters. All the new ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there anything you altered um, or consistently altered or that you can remember yes you want me to show you the map the, the speaking voices i don't think that was this dungeon i think that was uh the other one. Oh yeah that was the other one okay no this one this was the keep on the borderlands yeah okay um yeah things that i would alter would be um in the valley itself uh, whether or not the inhabitants of the Warrens would see you coming and would attack from the 
hills down into the valley. That was always altered. And which, which group saw you coming and which group would then attack. Every time we played it, it was a different group. That's interesting. So you made you made them be proactive and not just stay in their layers. Right. I don't think I've ever done that or been in another group who does that. Yeah, well, you know, you think about it. Uh, yeah. They're not going to just wait for you to come on them. They're going to have sentries out there looking for people coming up the valley. And so every time you guys played, one time it'd be the kobolds, one time it'd be the goblins, one time it'd be the ogres, one time it'd be this. One, every yeah. time we played, it was someone else. Yeah. Okay, so a general question about uh, old modules in general. Um, so you know how the descriptions are pretty brief and they don't have a lot of detail? Right. Do you prefer them to be brief so you can add your own detail, or do you prefer more detail so you know what exactly is there and how they'll react well when it's just the outskirts yeah i prefer it brief so that i can do whatever i want but when there's a actual something needs to be done here and these are the people or uh, occupants that are there doing this no that actually needs to be more detailed than what the module has because i wind up having to um, change a lot of the stuff each time that's played because of the players that are coming. Are they going to be able to be strong enough to take on this threat? If so, are they too strong for the threat and are just going to walk through it? And that should never be the case, in my opinion. It should always be a challenge, but then it shouldn't be so much of a challenge that they can't do it. I mean, yeah, they might get hurt and decide they themselves decide they don't want to continue, but they truly had the ability to go through it. Um, and that I left up to the characters. The inhabitants of the dwellings, though, when I got to the inner workings of each section, each group of combatants, uh, they all had a specific task that you were supposed to do. Either get them to join with you or totally annihilate them or get them to fight with others or whatever. If you, were not, if you did not accomplish that task, then you would not receive full um, experience points for that encounter. Yeah, you'd get the experience points for killing them and finding their treasure and stuff but if you didn't do what was actually necessary for that particular group there was an actual bonus that you would not have received the idea is to be proactive and try to um, actually rule whomever you find hmm. and only on a couple occasions were the adventurers able to do that and they got all kinds of bonuses for doing that. Okay. Um, so, the book recommends a party of six to nine first-level characters. First of all, what was the most common number of players? Uh, what was the most? What was least? And with 
with uh, small groups, did you give them retainers and magic items to start like it recommends in the book? Yes, and the smallest group was three. And yes, they each had they each had a retainer. Um, so I guess the total number of groups, I liked the amount of people that were actual uh, participants in the game itself. I liked about six people. But as far as retainers and stuff, um, I could deal with effectively about seven or eight. Okay. That that includes retainers and uh, right. participants. Right. Um, the most I've ever had was ten, and that was a nightmare. Well, I remember. Well, it wasn't this game. Speaking of large groups. I remember um, you DMing a group of 14 players. Yeah, I remember that one too. That was that was more than a nightmare. <laughs> the trouble with doing it that large of a group, trying to keep everybody occupied and keep their attention and give everybody something to do yeah. was so difficult for me that, as you said, I only did that once. Yeah. Um, okay, so you usually had six to seven PCs. I'd say five to seven. Five to seven? Yeah. Okay. Um, so on the first page, it recommends that the monsters of the different caves act together and act intelligently. Uh, that's kind of opposite. Well, a lot of people recommend to have your monsters act as smart as they should be but people think of goblins and kobolds as stupid which they technically are supposed to be so the book recommends you have the active intelligently how how well did you follow that you kind of already touched on this and you know how much did they actually act to get work together well kobolds and goblins hate each other so getting them to work together is difficult at best getting to the, them to work against each other and you were the one to inaugurate that would have been fairly easy if that's what you thought you were supposed to do. Um, the goblins and um, hobgoblins get them to work together. Yeah, but the thing is, the hobgoblins made the goblins slaves. Well, like all of the different cave groups, like there's gnolls and goblins and... Right. Or I think... I don't think there's actually goblins. I think it's just hobgoblins. But yeah. Um, all, all of the larger... And there's like the, the temple and all that stuff. Yeah. It, the hierarchy is the further back you go, the more powerful the yeah. beings are. Yeah. And the more powerful the beings are, uh, the less they deal with the lowest level of power. And they have beings in between that deal with them for them okay um if uh if a runner from the kobolds came to the uh temple uh they would have been shot on sight um but if one of the larger things like the gnolls or the hobgoblins came they would have at least listened to why they were intruding before they killed them all right um Although the people in the temple, they could go anywhere they want, and they would have to receive respect 
from all the lowers or else they would have a mass genocide and start over again with that particular group with people that would do it the right way with the right authority that's how i played it anyway okay um so it also recommends that the keep the actual keep itself can act as a home base for the players how often did we actually make use of that quite a bit um it was a place to restock it was a place to sell stuff when you're all full um and it was a place to um someone lost an arm to recover through magic means that arm um, only once did i make them carry the severed arm with them back to the temple to have it reattached most of the time it was just magically regrown okay um i can't find the exact quote i think it's on page one it recommends so if exploring the wilderness, the, when the players go out to go find the Caves of Chaos, they have to go through the wilderness. And it says if they go off the map, mm -hmm. it recommends you to make your own wilderness map. Which I did. And did was that associated with the map from the expert set or not? Um, I think it was, but I did it before I had the expert set, and so I had to modify... Uh, that map to match the expert set once I got the expert. Okay. That gives... Well, I'll mention that later. Um, how long... So, back in the early days, how long did character creation take for you usually? Well, for, for your players starting out. Um, I could possibly get four characters created in about an hour and a half, maybe two hours max. And I would tell the people, look, the first time we're here, we're going to do nothing but create characters. And if we have enough time, we'll give you an example of how your characters work in a game scenario, which would I would leave about a half an hour for that. Right. And did you often use pre-generated characters for new players? I loved using that because they didn't know what they really wanted um, and would get stats that are way off the charts for something that they didn't want to be. But they want to be this and their stats don't work that way. So by having pre-generated characters, I let them see, okay, this is what's needed for this type of character. Now, later, if you want to generate your own character, be in mind, these are the numbers you want for this type of character. Uh, about eight times out of ten, they would go with a pre-generated character. And maybe after they've played for a good four or five games, want a new character. And that's where their new character would become an NPC. And eventually, if their character that was pre-generated by me died, which they had a tendency to do... Oh, then their other character that they generated would then take over. Right. So, did you ever restrict certain classes from the game? Yes. Like, if you didn't want elves in the game? Oh, no. Elves were always included. Um, but the only thing that was restricted was the 
sorcerer class where you didn't need to memorize spells. Which wasn't even the basic game. Correct. So. There were people that tried to tell me that you could have that, and I kept telling them not in my game. Yeah. So. Oh, and of, time travelers. Of the seven basic classes, you never restricted those? No, never. Okay. But basically things from AD&D or. Yeah. Um, <laughs> elves, not elves, uh, pixies. Um, yeah. You know, and, oh, what was the other one? Someone someone wanted to be um, an orc. Yeah. And I wouldn't let him be an orc. Yeah. Okay. So that, okay, that answers that. Um, okay. So in here it gives, it generally talks about that they're going to have to journey to the Caves of Chaos through the wilderness. Um, so how, how often did, or how much did the players actually travel through this wilderness off the road? Did they actually, how often did we actually explore? Uh, that was mostly a rare thing. Um, I would tell them, if you want to find this, if you want to do that, you've got to go through here to get there. Uh, and that was to, you know, just give them an a little bit different taste of what's available, such as the meadow behind the uh, um, the caves. The caves. Yeah. yeah. Um, when they came through the temple, they had to go through that meadow because if they had gone back out, uh, the amount of chaos that they had caused would put all of the monsters out in the valley with the caves, and you did not want to go that way. Go this way. Right. Um, going the other side of the river or the road to the river um, the spiders um, other things like that were something that was obtainable but you had to make an effort and if you were staying too long uh, something in that area would become much more powerful than you and drive you out but most of the time we went along the road straight to the caves correct and <laughs> Uh, most of the time you didn't encounter much. If yeah. you did, it was mostly bandits or other merchants traveling the road. Okay. Um, okay, so um, it talks about it talks about playing different NPCs and monsters, you know, being their personality. Right. How easy was that for you to play these different monsters and NPCs? As long as I could keep to the story and keep the attention of the people fairly easy because it's pretty well laid out of what they're supposed to be doing. But when the players would decide they want to do something different than what's in the story of the module, uh, it became more difficult because I'm trying to steer them onto the game rather than the ideas of youth just exploring, well, can I do this? Can I do that? And yes, you can do that, but that's not what the storyline is about and not what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, and I have to do it in such a way that they know that I'm not leading them. Right. That becomes difficult. And, um, okay, speaking of NPCs, did you... How much did we actually interact with the people in the keep? Um, other than to get what you needed out of the people in the keep, not much. Hmm. 
So we didn't just go and talk to them to find out who they were? No. Okay. Um, well, like the innkeeper, yeah, you knew who he was because you'd see him frequently. Right. The uh, blacksmith, yeah. The captain of the guard at the gate, yeah. Um, those people you had much contact with and you knew their personalities and they knew who you were and some of them liked you, some of them didn't. You know, that was all in the... Uh, in the module itself but i did throw a couple of urchins in there and they were fun because they would do things that would distract you from your task someone stole one of the favorite swords of someone once hmm. um, and, and it was the effort to go get that little urchin sounds okay so talking about the wilderness um how would you actually just because we usually went on the road so how would you actually describe that to us usually would it just be oh you're there now or how would you describe that well i'd describe the type of road it was yes you cross this little bridge on a small creek um, there are trees right aligning the road or meadows along the road oh there's a hill over here um you know, are you suspicious of the hill? Are you suspicious of the trees? Are you suspicious of the bridge across the creek? If you're suspicious, then we take time to figure out what's going on. If you're not suspicious, roll for encounters. If you have an encounter, whoops. If you have no encounter, just continue on. Okay. You want to describe each square or anything? No. Okay. Um... Oh, it talks about, okay, I'm going to read it. So, as a judge, moderator, referee, the DM must constantly deal with the players. Just as the referee of a sporting event, the DM must be fair. He or she cannot be out to get the players, nor should he or she be on their side all the team. The DM must be neutral. Um, and then it goes on. Yeah. So, how it, neutral were you? I wasn't. I was Monty Hall. Um. And the reason behind that is if you kill off everybody on their very first adventure, they're not going to want to play anymore. If you give them everything on their very first adventure, they'll get bored. So the trick is to have a happy medium between being Monty Hall and being the devil's advocate so that they will want to play again. Um, that was a difficult thing to accomplish but i thought i did pretty good most of the time okay um so here it talks about keeping track of time that was my did you, most difficult part yes you okay because it also talks about in conjunction with that is keeping track of your resources yes um so we didn't really do that as much no we didn't your rations usually lasted as long as you needed them to last um the weight that you carried generally was enough that you could carry it. Um, you had this much time to go through this area. It took that long unless you had an encounter. Um, you know, it's just time was really basic in its usage. Okay. I did not really elaborate. Well, yeah. you took 
10-15 minutes to find this trap door. In the meantime, you got attacked. Yeah. No, I did not do that that often. Okay. Um, and then it talks about treasure and experience. So it it recommends that that the DM divide experience evenly, and that the players can divide treasure however they want, and that they're yeah. So how did you work that out? Did yeah, the um, experience value was given out evenly most of the time. If someone made a fantastic um, hit and killed more than their fair share, uh, yeah, they would get extra bonuses because they were doing what their character was designed to do. So like if a magic user cast... Uh, paralyzed to all the people and they're in there and then everybody goes through and kills them. Yeah, they get their experience for killing each individual thing shared, but the magic user got a special bonus for paralyzing everybody. Yeah. What about like if thieves found some treasure and kept it to themselves? Then they kept it to themselves as long as they didn't tell anybody. But did they get experience for that? Um I don't remember. I might have given a few people experience for that, but it wasn't the norm. Because most of the time, even the most devious humans that we know um, were very honorable. And they didn't play their characters the way they should have, the way they were aligned. It was interesting. Mm. I, couldn't, I couldn't get someone to actually play an evil backstabbing thief. <laughs> Nope, that's why mom made us call them spies. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, so experience. Um, did you did you ever give like when dividing experience? Did you divide some of that to the retainers? Sometimes, if the people who were using the retainers used them in their skills properly, I would give it to the retainers. But that was only in the case when their retainer was another character that they had rolled up and wanted to continue to play. If they were normal NPCs, no. Okay. Because basically it, it tells you to include, include your retainers in how much you divide. So if you have right. three characters and two retainers, you divide by five. Right. But the retainers only get half of that, half right. of their share. I did read that, but I didn't like that. And I would do that if they had rolled their own retainer. I would do that. But if they were playing a retainer that came just, through just the game, a mercenary. no. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, okay, so here it recommends to read the module thoroughly and maybe even up to three times. So how, how many times did you usually read a module before running it and how many how well did you know module okay so talking about the um how many times you had to read a module um yeah. did you how well did you get to know a module before you ran it um i am not good at reading um i'm also not good at memorized verbatim but i am very good at getting a general idea as long as I read something four to five times. And I did read several times through from cover to cover all the modules that we played. 
Um, certain sections I would read in more in depth because that's where I wanted the characters to go through. Areas that I didn't feel that were that important, I would read only twice maybe sometimes. And if they went there, I would tell them, wait a minute, I got to read this, make sure I got it right. And everybody was fine with that, it seemed, um, you know, for the lull in the gameplay. And that gave them a chance to check on all their stats and everything else. But um, most of the time, I would use the book, the module, to jog my memory. Okay, what's in this room? Number seven, it's got cobalt's um, in it. Okay, I know what this one is. Um, but that's basically how I ran the systems. Okay. Um, so here it talks about the, the, how the keep, how most of it, the floor plans aren't detailed, and it recommends you make your own floor plans. Did you ever do that? Sometimes. Not always. Um, I did when I felt that the floor plan would actually make a difference as to how the game was going to run. But most of the time, I would say no. I took whatever they said and I let the uh, uh, players map it out specifically. Okay. Um, we already talked about pre-generated characters. Oh, rumors. Um, how did you handle giving players rumors before the game? Because it recommends that each player knows at least one rumor. Yeah, I didn't do that that much um, because I figured all of you were new to the area that you're going into. You have no idea what's going on. You all need to figure out. You all need to get your own rumors. You all need to understand something. Um, I always played as if you were not from the area that you're adventuring in. Yeah. Because you never adventure at home because you already know what's going on yeah. at home. Home is boring. Yes, that's why you're out adventuring. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, it also talks about marching order and callers and mappers. Um, did we do marching order? Did we ever have one person in charge as a caller? And did one person do the map or did we work on it together? Well, usually one person did the mapping, but um, everybody would try to tell the mapper that they did it wrong, I noticed. Yeah. And... Uh, also, one person being in charge did not always work well because... Well, oftentimes Cassie would kind of be our leader, but I wouldn't call her the caller. No, she was definitely not the caller. In fact, I don't think you ever had a caller. Everybody had what they thought they wanted to do, and if it helped out the game, then we'd do it. Sometimes if it didn't help out the game... I would let Jared do it just to get everybody else involved. Well, what about the caller with the um, with your older groups? With my older groups, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, there was one that was in charge, and everybody went along with that person. A uh, different person would be mapping, and everybody would try to help the mapper understand exactly what was visually seen for the map. Um in their idea it brought more color to the map more understanding because when you talk to someone and tell them something this person's going to get this out of it that person's going to get that it's just like watching a crime scene and yeah. 20 people around a corner well what about marching order did we often actually use that or yeah sometimes um you'd put your most heavily armored person in front and your most weak armored person in the back which 
most of the time worked out unless you were being attacked from the back without knowing it, which happened a lot. You know, so they never really understood that your weakest person should be in the middle and protected on both sides. Yeah. Um, going back to maps, um, did you correct the player's maps? I wouldn't say I corrected them, but I would tell them uh, when they go back into the area that something's changed and they don't know what it is. They're going by their map and something's not right. And yeah. therefore they would have to remap because they didn't get it right the first time. Yeah. Um, let's see, what's this say? How many, okay, so how many game sessions did it usually take for us to go through this module? This module? Oh, gee. Um, depending on who it was, um, it took as few as, the fewest sessions it took was five sessions. The most was something like 15 sessions. Yeah. Okay. And that, and that I would equate to the age of the people. The older they were, the easier it was to go through the session. The younger they were, the more difficult it was to go through the right. thing. Um, it also recommends at the end of each game session, not necessarily day or um, anything, but you know, when you want to end a session, it recommends going back to the keep and leaving the caves. Yeah, it did does we, suggest that. Did, we, did you actually have us do that? Sometimes I would. Unless you were in the middle of something and you would have, just to get back to the keep, would have taken too much time to get back to the keep and rest there. And we didn't have enough time in the time we had allotted to play the game. Right. At which point we would just say, okay, freeze. No one gets experience points this time around because we don't have enough time to calculate it. We'll pick up where we left off when you come back. And it also recommends if you're going to rest during the game, like it talks about resting in the dungeon and possible encounters. Did did the groups you ran often rest inside the dungeon? Oh, yeah. And sometimes they'd receive encounters and sometimes they wouldn't. It depended on which dungeon they were in and uh, how rested everybody was. Um if um, if everybody was totally exhausted and they had to run shifts and the uh, ex um, what is it called the watch not experience um, random encounters if the random encounter role said that you encountered something uh, you guys wouldn't get any rest at that point. Um, if you didn't get any uh, random encounters, then you would get the rest that you needed. Okay. Um, so then there's a whole background section and the start section, which it's kind of the same thing. Um, did you read, did you often read these big intro introductory sections to your groups? To the groups, most of the time, no. Um, I would 
try as much as I could to uh, recite the general idea of what was happening. If it was actually necessary with some adult players, it was, I would um, photocopy sections and then cross out parts that I did not want them to see. Okay. Um, in the background, it talks about the realm of mankind. Um, did you see that as one kingdom? Did you try to incorporate that into the map and the expert set? Um, hmm. I think the realm of mankind was supposed to have been the base. Yeah. Well, Everything else was ancillary to that. You're on the borderlands of the right. realm. And so be, with that in mind, um, that part would be given to them because they're supposed to already know all of that. Right. It's the other stuff that would be questionable whether we give it to them or not. Because the other stuff would be rumor, hearsay. Did they hear this as they were walking through the town? Did someone else say that? Then that stuff is what would come up. Okay. Um, so the very beginning, it has the watchmen ask the player, ask the characters, uh, what's their business coming here? And that they can't come inside unless they say something reasonable. Were you strict about that? No. <laughs> Because um, most of the time they'd say, well, we're here to adventure. We're here to um, kill bad guys or something along that line. And then the guy, depending on who they were, if they could take a joke or not, that would determine uh, whether or not I was going to let them just waltz in or give them a hassle. Right. Okay. Um, I would also talk about uh, PCs being, well basically a criminal and the catching and punishment of criminal PCs. Did that ever happen? Yes. Um, there were several criminals that were caught and uh, punished and also got away. <laughs> but um, basically there were no, no one that survived from your attacks into this place. Um, no one that survived would have been just scot-free. No, I mean like player characters. Oh, player characters? Did player characters ever Well, I never had any. I never had any player characters that wanted to be bad guys. Like I said. Like steal from the innkeeper and stuff? Yeah. Um, most of the player characters that we had were... How shall I say? Um... They were basically good people trying to help out. That's what it seemed like to me. Because no one would ever try to get a true rogue. No one would ever try to get a conniving bard. Um, granted, those aren't the names of the characters that are available to play, but that doesn't mean your character can't do those types of things if you want and no one ever did. So I never had to punish anyone. Closest to punishing anyone was when Jared, when he was too young, not knowing what his limitations were, wanted to go into the arena and fight the fire giant. 
Which wasn't this adventure. No. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, okay. And then there's the rumor table. How would you handle out us getting access to some of the rumors? Well, most of the time, um, if I felt you needed a particular rumor, I would roll up and see if I got that rumor on a roll of dice when asked, um, can we hear any of the people next table over or... Did we see anything? If they asked, then I would roll up and see if they got something that would lead to them going on an adventure. If I felt that the rumor that they had received was would send them right into the fray so strongly that they would encounter things beyond their levels to accomplish, um, I would make the rumor sound so horrifying that they wouldn't go on it yet. Okay. But it would still be the same rumor. It's just there's more embellishment to it, making it more difficult. Um, if it was something that was really quick and easy, yeah. Yeah, the rumor came out as something quick and easy. Okay. Okay, it talks here about the inner Bailey and entrance to the inner Bailey can be gained. If the adventurers perform a heroic act in behalf of the keep. So basically, they can't gain access to the inner Bailey unless they prove themselves, you know. Correct. Um, how well did you enforce that? Um, pretty much. Um, their charisma role would also have something to do with that usually. Uh, you know, like convince, well, look, I went out and did this and this and this. And then if their charisma role was high enough, then the guard would be impressed and say, wait here, and then go get someone of higher rank and then come back and, oh, you are the guys that did that, and then give them access. It wasn't an automatic entrance into the Bailey. Um, you know, even if someone from the inside the Bailey gave them the assignment to do something, it was never automatic. Not until you had done enough heroic adventures that everybody inside the Bailey or recognized you, that's when you'd get automatic entrance. It says here, uh, the party might become traitors operating out of the keep, hoping to find adventures as they travel in the surrounding area. Did we ever become traitors? No one. <laughs> none of my... Not, not in this module. None of my players ever became traitors in this particular module. Okay. Um... Page. Um, okay, so I never gave them the option. Right. Well, yeah, they would they, have had. They to never come wanted up, to in the first place. Right. They would have had yeah. to have come up with that theory and idea on their own, and no one ever did. Oh, here's an interesting bit. In describing the corporal of the watch, um, it says, um, "Where is it?" He admires outspoken brave fighters and easily taken in by a pretty girl. Did that ever happen? I tried to make it happen, but most of the time, the, the people that were playing the pretty brave girls um, didn't appreciate the attention. Yeah. Because they're either too young or married. <laughs> All right. So it was a player problem. Yeah, it was a player problem. It wasn't a 
Well, it might have been my problem, my ability to portray that. Okay. Um, but basically, it never really worked. Um, let's see. Talking about the jewel merchant, it just says that he'll buy and sell gems. Did did we ever make use of that? You tried several times, and he tried to jip you as many times as you tried to sell him stuff. And depending on your charisma, determined whether or not you were able to get him to give you a reasonable price for the gems. Okay. You guys usually weren't very successful. Yeah. But yeah. I never told you that. <laughs> uh, okay, so in the description of the priest, so he's got the priest and his two acolytes. Um, and he's supposed to betray us. You remember that, mm -hmm. right? Um, did, that, uh, did that ever occur? Did Some, we take what? him with us and he betray us? Yeah, a couple of times. Did it ever kill anyone? Did we all die because of it? No, never did anybody, never did any uh, party all die. A lot of times people did get to get to death, but not die. And were able to retreat to the point where they could um, restore the health of the injured person. And nobody went off on their own chasing him. Or his acolytes that but, survived. So the priest wasn't extremely detrimental to it what was, we were doing. It was essential to the game, but not uh, essential to... He wasn't there to kill you specifically. Right. Otherwise, he would have stayed and killed everybody. Right. Okay, Um. let's see. The priest... Hmm. No matter how many acolytes he lose, lost. <laughs> um. Oh. In uh, the description of the tavern, there's mercenaries. Or it says there will be mercenaries sometimes. Did we ever hire mercenaries from the tavern? Yes, when there were a few of you. And the mercenaries were, at best, chaotic neutral. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um Oh, a general question about the keep in general. Did any party ever try to attack the keep or pillage it or, you know, yes. act against the keep? Yes. Um, there were two adventures where um, they were spending the night in the keep and the alarm rang out and there was a whole horde of, I don't remember what, type of creatures but it was you know Dungeons and Dragons creatures like goblins or whatever uh, that were attacking the keep and they were as far as the eye could see that many and therefore it was required that every resident every person in the keep was required to assist in the defense now this in both cases I had traitors within the walls that were required to be found out and only once did they get found out. And they were promptly put up, on that one, they were promptly put up on the wall, shown to the uh, enemy in a lull of when they were rushing the walls. And let's see what, it, oh yeah, then, then they were put in the trebuchet on top of the tower and flung right at them, which demoralized some of them. And... Uh, yeah, 
that actually went well. And that all that was their idea when they found the trader. Say, hey, you want a trailer? Here, here's one, one of your own. So the play, we, players didn't try to actually attack the keep themselves. No, the players never attacked the keep. That was a safe place. Don't attack it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that, I think, is only because I played the keep with the ruler as someone who was fair and just. Right. If he had not been fair and just, like the Black Eagle Barony, they would have made different plans. Okay. Um so the Cave of the Unknown, did you ever map out anything for that? I did, and I lost it. Um, part of it went to the uh, Temple Shrine, and part of it went out into a valley somewhere. Um, like I said, I lost the map, and I don't know where the valley was in relation to this whole module, but... Um, that was with your namesake and his wife and his sister. Okay. And that's one of the earlier times I played this game. And um, in fact, that was the time when they threw the uh, traitor over the wall. Um, and right after they threw the traitor over the wall, that's when they were able to go back to the caves and find this cave of the unknown and go adventuring on that. Okay. So here it talks about uh, traveling through the wilderness. It talks about travel time. Really annoys me. <laughs> yes. Okay, so if you look at the scale on the map and you measure the, the number of squares, it's about three miles to the caves. Yes, I've noticed that. Um, and it says um, normal movement rate, and we're assuming this is on the road, you know, it says, because it gives different rates for the forest and the wetlands, um, is th uh, three squares for one hour of walking. That is totally ridiculous. Which which is, I, I calculated, it's about a sixth of a mile per hour. It's just over a sixth of a mile per yes. hour. And I never... And that's just that. walking, because it gives different rate for searching. Yes. But, you know, the walking, you're walking along the road. Yeah, I never went with the uh, time rate? movement as far as the module okay. went with. Mostly what I did was calculate how the distances and stuff. And I know that I walk, during that time of my life, I can walk three miles an hour and be very observant of everything yeah. around me. If if we were to change the scale to the time movement, each square would be about a square mile. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Changes the whole adventure. It does. Um, okay. So, we kind of already talked about provisions, track provisions. Did we ever stop to go hunting? Yeah. Run out of provisions? Yeah, if I wanted you to get a little bit more adventure into the traveling part of it, uh, that was part of the uh, random encounters. And if you actually had a random encounter of something that you could use for provisions and you made the effort, uh, generally speaking, you could get it. If your attack roll or whatever was off, then you missed. And you guys had to ration your provisions a little tighter. Did we ever encounter the lizard men? Yes, they did. And... Um, 
with Cassie and you guys, um, you did quite well with averting them to something else and not working on you guys. Um, your charisma scores and roles were high enough that you convinced them to not kill you. Okay. Um, the, what happened when we met the spiders? Um, everybody uh, focused battle on one spider at a time. And because of that, some were actually um, attacked and had to receive uh, um, anti-poison or um, healing potions or something. But because of the considered effort one at a time, uh, they were able to get rid of all the spiders. Did we ever actually find the camp of the raiders to the south? Oh, yeah. And once again, charisma and roles were such that you convinced them that you were bandits. And when you went back to tell the keep where the bandits actually were, and give descriptions, then the um, army that was kept in the keep went and surrounded them and forced them towards the keep, whereupon you guys were in charge of defending the keep while the army was out drawing these people so that they get crossfire from the keep and the army. And the mad hermit and his lion. He was, fu he was fun. Um I, it was difficult for me to play the Mad Her Hermit, but um, uh, I tried my best, and sometimes he was coherent, sometimes he wasn't. Um, sometimes you guys understood what you were supposed to do, and sometimes you didn't. Going to see the Mad Hermit did not always end with a successful visit. And the lion... Um, did whatever the Mad Hermit told him to, always. All right. Um, well, that's it for now. Next time we'll talk about the Caves of Chaos. Okay. Okay, begin recording. We are talking about the Caves of Chaos. So the first question... Okay, so there's a description here. Do you did you read that description to us when you DM'd the game? I may have, but I may have had one of you read it. Okay, because because you know it's a description of the valley, right? Okay, um, and along with that, because this assumes that you're approaching from the road going inside the valley, right? Did you ever have players come from behind, from the forest, or above the ravine? Um, for the first time, no. But at other times when we were coming back or something? Well, if your party has never been on this adventure before, uh, no, you always came in this way. If your party has been there before, then yes. Okay. Um, it also mentions here that monsters might capture PCs and ransom them back to the keep. Did that ever happen? No, not to you guys. Um, do we ever get any monsters to ally with us or to fight each other? Yes. You want to elaborate? It was the hobgoblins against the goblins. 
actually you guys were with the goblins and taking on the hobgoblins. And um, you were successful in eliminating both parties. <laughs> we, we killed the, the one that survived, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so was there ever time where we went into the caves, did some fighting, and then went back to the keep, and later, you know, we waited a while, and then we came back, and part of it was repopulated? Did yes. Did you repopulate them? Every single time. Because someone else would see a vacant cave and they'd move in. Right. It'd be people from outside the cave complex entirely. Uh, not or, always. Okay. Yeah, because it, it, it has both both pieces of advice that sometimes, you know, one tribe can vacate another cave or or one tribe can inhabit another cave or they if it's long enough, uh, people from outside can come back. Right. Um, okay, um, so the first area is the cobalt area. Did we ever, did we fall for the, the cobalt's pit trap in there? Do you remember that? No, there's, no one ever fell for that. Cause you know, because there's the pit trap right at the entrance. Right. And then they're supposed to attack us with ranged weapons. Yeah, no, everybody got through that because the um, finding... Traps skill was always used. Oh, it also talks about there's an ambush. They were trying to ambush us outside of the tunnel. Yeah, now that did happen. How did that go? Um, wasn't much of an ambush. They're kobolds. <laughs> They're kobolds, yeah. Like I was telling John, kobolds had like two hit points. Yeah. <laughs> hit them with a rock, they're dead. And um, I don't mean from a sling. Yeah. Okay, so in uh, so the kobolds have a chamber of rats. When we fought the rats, did we, did we ever get diseased from the rats? Yes, but you guys were always level enough to bring either um, healing potions or uh, have a cleric that was level enough to cure disease. Okay. Um, okay, so in one of the, I believe it's in the chieftain's room. Yeah, in the chieftain's room, there's a, there's a cloth with uh, pieces of um, gemstones or, yeah, no, gold sewn into the blanket. Right. Did we ever find that? Yes. And we, we got the gold? Yep. Okay. Was that hard to find or how did you make that happen? Um, well, the gold sewn in the blanket kind of glistens in firelight. Oh, okay. So you didn't have it like, you had it sewn onto the blanket, not yeah, in, in between. into the blanket. Yeah. Kind of like a tapestry. Okay. Okay. Because I, I, I picture it more as um, like, you know, two layers and it's inside. That's a heavy blanket. Yeah. Well, like a quilt. Yeah, no, I never thought of that. Okay. Because, I mean, they do that to hide it. Yeah. Um, We're talking about cobalt here, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so in the entrance to the orc layer, there's a, there's skulls at the entrance. Did it, what impression did that have on players? 
Um, did, did it ever do? Did we ever react to it in any way? Or no, a couple of times I'd have you guys uh, roll dice to see reaction when you come around the corner and see that kind of thing, but nobody ever rolled a reaction to it. Okay. So just more dead. Okay, so in that same area where there's a skulls, there's a guard hidden guard post, and there's a orc who's pretending to be one of the uh, one of the dead to you know be a trophy. Did anyone ever notice that orc hiding there? No, not until he jumped out. Okay. Um, I don't have any email. Um, let's see. And in the first orc layer. Did we, when there's basically, it, it says that if the orc leader has a chance, he'll try to escape through the secret door to the other orc layer. Yes. Did that ever happen? Yes. And did we follow him? Did oh, we yeah. not know where he went? No, you followed him. Okay. And the other group of orcs was fully ready for you. And it took a long time to overcome that situation. Yeah, you, because we were, were attacked. All, yeah, you were all injured and close to death. Okay. Um, but found all kinds of potions. And in the same vein, it also mentions that the orcs in the first layer will go and join the other orcs if they can get if they can. Yeah. Right. Did it, that happened? Yes. Okay. Um, A couple of times. So in the second orc layer, there is a there is a trap with a net and alarm. Did we ever trip that alarm? Or you get caught in the net once. Uh, Jared was playing with you guys, and he just was running through the corridors, and you guys weren't stopping him. So I let him. I need to pause it real quick. Okay, so back to recording. Uh, I was asking about the net. Um, am I? Okay, so... Oh, yeah, so at the beginning of the module, um, one of the rumors is that Briark... Um, mean, we, we think Briark and Cobalt mean surrender. Um, did we ever have that problem of them saying Briark... Or it, it says here what Briark actually means. Oh, it says, hey, it means hey, Rube. <laughs> it means what? Hey, Rube, like saying hey, oh. Rube, as in calling someone a Rube. Yeah, okay. Did, did we ever have a misunderstanding with that? Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like they say Briark, we think they're surrendering. Right. Yes, it that. was fun. Okay. But it wasn't like we got killed because of it? No. I mean, you guys were surprised because of it. Okay. Um, so, hobgoblins. Uh, so, yeah, there's a... In the in the goblin layer, there is a... In the storage room, there's a secret door to the hobgoblins. And did we ever encounter them coming to the storage chamber while we were there? Once. And uh, they quickly retreated and blocked the other end um, 
and we're watching for you to come that way. But you guys decided not to go that way. Right. Okay. And caught them unawares. <laughs> right. So that gave us an advantage in the hobgoblin lair. Right. Okay. Uh, so in the ogre cave, it, uh, it specifically talks about the ogre. Um, well, about the ogre looking like a, a bear. Did we ever mistake the ogre for a bear? Yes. How did that go? Well, rather well. He died quickly. <laughs> um, it's also got the thing of uh, of the hobgoblins coming in and throwing in some coins to the ogre or oh no it's uh, oh the question was did we ever bribe the ogre once you did and um, it didn't go well for the ogre because you guys when you bribed him you bribed him with copper Oh. And he didn't like that. Okay. But we didn't like bribe him and then just leave him there and not come back to him? Or? No, no. He got all upset. <laughs> because all the others don't bribe him with copper. They bribe him with silver or gold. And the ogre's not that dumb. He knows the difference. Right. Um, so the hobgoblins at the entrance, uh, can I read this? <laughs> uh, let's see, hobgoblin layer. Do you need more light? Let me pause. Okay, so the hobgoblin entrance, um, has a stout barred door. And it also has a, a greeting saying, come in and have dinner with us. Or have, have you for dinner. Yeah. You remember that? Yep. Okay. So the question is, at the entrance, what was our methods of entering? It says we can either try to break the door down, we can, we can find the secret lever, or we can knock on the door. No one ever tried to break the door, but they did find a secret lever once, and they did try knocking once. And uh, when the secret lever was found, you guys were able to get in um, um, to where they didn't know you were coming in. When you knocked on the door, they were all like hope of hopefully leading you into a trap that you guys did not fall for. Okay, so we were never tricked by the uh, by the come in and have have us for dinner. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, there was someone who, there was always someone who figured that one out. <laughs> no matter what party I've ever played with, uh, with that scene. Um, okay, so in the common room, there's some hobgoblin children. Um, did we, how merciful were we? Did we just kill them or did oh, we yeah. let spare them? Or No, no sparings. Never? Never. But they're babies. Yeah, it didn't matter to you guys. They give stats to them, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. Anything with stats we kill, right? Yep, because it gives you experience points. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, oh. Um, so... 
hobgoblins, torture chamber, and prisoners. Did we, you know, what happened? We, there was a there's a merchant who will offer us a reward to get out. There's an orc, two men at arms, the merchant's wife, and the crazy knoll. Well, the merchant and the merchant's wife um, stayed behind you until you could get out, but uh, the others were all killed. We, we, we just killed the other people. Yeah, because... Uh, we the, killed them or they were already killed? No, they were not already killed. They were... They did not know that you guys were their saviors, and so they argued with you, and you dispatched them rather than deal with them. Okay. It says the crazy knoll would eventually turn on us anyway. Right. But the men-at-arms would help us, but we, no. we didn't get his help. No, the men-at-arms um, was in the mode of going crazy anyway. Okay. Because he was a berserker. Right. Um, okay. Oh, in the Hobgoblin Lair, there's, in his, in the Chief's quarters, there's an iron box with a false bottom. Yes. Did we detect that? Did we not detect it? How? Once uh, you did not detect it. How did, I mean, how did we detect it when we did? Um, a thieving skill. It, it was just a roll. You didn't have us. Right. Try to find it. Um. Okay, so there's, what is this? So there's something in the firewood. Oh, okay, yeah, so there's a, a wand of paralyzation hidden inside the firewood in the chief's quarters. Did we ever find that? Once. And that was after many times through this place. And then finally, I think it was Bridget. She had a thief, and she wanted to check everything. Thing. So she checked the firewood. Oh yeah, <laughs> but we didn't find it any other times. No, we we it's firewood. Leave it alone. Right. Okay. Um. Okay. So in the Shun Cavern, where the the owl bears are, mm-hmm. uh, well, the owl bears are deeper in, but the the entrance to the Shun Cavern, it's a really bad stench. How did we have? How did you? How that affect us? I had you roll. And if you survived your constitution, everybody just had to hold their nose. Not, it was so bad that you could not venture on any further and had to puke. Did we ever just not go in because it stunk? Once. Because <laughs> you guys had already known the area, so you didn't go that way and didn't bother with it. And there's a... You know, there's we can find copper and silver and electrum in the in the rubbish. Right. Did we ever search the rubbish? Uh, on the later adventures, no, it wasn't worth the effort. Okay. Um, also, in that same area, there's a because when you search the rubbish, you have to do another saving throw. Yeah. For your constitution. <coughs> yeah, that makes sense. Well, it also gives us time to be ambushed by whatever is in the cave. Right. Um, so in the shallow pool, there is a goblet at the bottom. Did we ever go down and find that? No. And there's some oozes in that same area. Yes. Did they ever surprise us? or? 
Oh, yeah, you always survive. You either ran or you... No, I mean, did they surprise us? Oh, did they surprise us? Ah, once they did. That's... But we always survived. Yeah, that time you guys just ran rather than deal with them. Um, let's see. After that, you guys were always prepared for the ooze. Okay, was the owlbear in a challenge for us? Yes. Because it's a HD of five. Yes, it was. pretty tough for first-level characters. Yep. Which is why I tried to have you go through everything else before you got there. That way you guys, all of you, were at least level three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also in the Owlbear's Lair, there's a protection from Undead Scroll. Did we find that? Yep. Where does it say that is? It's in a bone tube. It's a, it's among the sticks and bones. Yes. So we just went searching through the bones. Right. Um, okay. Uh, the bugbear lair. Again, it has a welcome sign which says, Safety, security, and repose for all humanoids who enter. Welcome. Um, how did we take that? As a place of repose. <laughs> You would be able to find a place to rest and not have to go all the way back to the keep to do your rest. So so we went in willingly. Oh, yeah. And did the bugbear surprise us because of that? Oh, yeah. Because it says that they'll they'll offer us food, but then as we're taking the food, they'll attack us. Mm-hmm. Well, they waited until I made them wait until you guys were totally stuffed. Oh, we actually got to eat. You, you not only got to eat, you got to rest, and everybody was just about ready to take a nap, and oops. Okay. And was that a challenge for us? Because bugbears are pretty tough monsters. Yes, they are. And it was because of the Monty Hall um, dungeon master that you guys were able to survive. <laughs> uh And those, those wands come in handy. <laughs> right. Oh, there's some more slaves in the bugbear area. Did we free them? Yes. And but you didn't go with them. You just told them which way to go. Okay. Um, oh, one time when you got with the guy with the men in arms, the slaves with the men in arms, you charged the man-at-arm with taking the other people back and gave him some armor that didn't quite fit and a sword that was a little bit small. Okay. Well, I guess that's more chivalrous of us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, sounds like we're standard murder hobos in your games. Yes. Um, so the Minotaur Caves, um, we're supposed to get dizzy, where, where is it? We're supposed to get dizzy and lose direction. Did that, how did that happen? Yeah, you guys always lost direction while you were in there. One time you were in there for quite a long time, even after the Minotaur was dead. <laughs> also, uh, the Minotaur kept his treasure behind a big rock. Did we ever move that and find his treasure? Yeah. Once... Yeah, just once. 
See. Yeah, the ones when you guys were stuck in there a very long time, because you, some of you were getting upset and kicked, started kicking rocks or stuff, yeah. knocking down walls. Yeah. And well, it's like rock. behind a big rock that requires more than one person to move, yeah. or a really strong person. Right. Now, one someone kicked it and noticed that it moved, and so the rest of you. We're going to move it in hopes that this was a way out. And so you all got together and moved it and, nope, not a way out. Yeah, three humans to move. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, and so then you were still stuck in the caverns for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, because we're still got dizzy from it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, that was the Minotaur. Um, what's the, oh, the Null Layers. Um, in the Null Layer, there's a storeroom. And in the storeroom, what's the, oh, there's a, there's a whole bunch of wine and, or is it, it's fine ale. Did we ever, uh, taste that and get drunk off of it? Um, I know that there was a crew that did that. I don't remember which crew it was, but it was always if there was someone other than our family members that would do something like that. Yeah. Because none of our family members would do that. Well, it also says to, uh, where is it? I just saw it. Yeah, if, if we taste it, there's a... It tells us to roll to see if we'll uh, keep drinking. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were very weary of wary of any prepackaged bottles. Yeah. Um, okay. Drunk. Uh, what's in case K? Oh, the Shrine of Evil Chaos. Um, so before we entered that, did we feel like a sense of, did you have us feel like a sense of dread, like in the description? Um, I wouldn't say that I had you sense of dread, more along the lines of sense of, um, we have to do this. And nobody knows what it is you have to do. <laughs> Okay, so in uh, well, I guess you should have the map for this. Um, so in Area Fifty One, where is Area Fifty One? Uh, just north this of one. us. <laughs> Area Fifty One. It's Boulder blocked passage. Did we ever clear that passageway? Yes, and you came back in that way to do the rest of the adventure. Okay, well, where did you have it lead? Um, back to town. Okay, Just did a uh, hundred yards away from the castle. Okay. Um, uh, oh, the uh, okay, so so there's a uh. In the, uh, where is it? 
in the Hall of Skeletons, I think that's Area 52, mm -hmm. there's a dais with a chair on it. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about this previously. Um, was that chair the bloodstone throne that we were that we tried to take out of these caves, or was it a different area, Area that 58? Was, that was over here. Okay. But this was just a chair, a decorated chair, like it describes in the right. adventure. What to say? There's a, a chair with four large gems. Yeah. Someone took the gems out. Okay. And we defeated the skeletons in that room. Right. Okay. It's amazing what a Molotov cocktail will do to a skeleton. So the bloodstone chair was in Area 58, which that's a long description. I don't want to read it. Right. But it describes the wall of translucent redstone. Um, yeah. But that's where the bloodstone chair was. Right. Did we ever actually get that out? I don't remember. Once. Okay. And I seem to have an idea that it was magical in some way. Yeah. How? how? Um, it made you see your enemy and fight him, even though he wasn't there. That's the magic that I had on it. Well, didn't it also, like, like, if it touched blood, it would absorb the blood and it was white and then it turned red? Yeah. And so once it finished and turned back to red, um, that's when you guys would see your enemies. Okay. Okay, what's my other questions? Um, I don't need this page. Um, which, and if you guys were there early, which one time you were, um, the noise that you made in there caused your enemies to actually come. Right. Okay. Um, in the Chapel of Evil Chaos in Area 55, mm -hmm. this one, um, there's several relics of evil. Um, mm -hmm. Did we ever get a hold of those and turn evil because of them? No, because it had such an aura around you that everybody was, that's where that sense of foreboding came in. Nobody wanted to stick around. Everybody failed their morale check. Every time. Okay. Okay, also in the in the chapel, or in the temple, so Area 58 again, mm -hmm. um, it, has, it has a whole bunch of acolytes chanting. Uh, um, it talks about special effects. So, so the chanting causes a bell to ring, and then it causes... What does it do? As soon as you enter, black candles on either side of the palace will come alight magically, shooting from a disturbing red radiance. Shapeless forms of purple, yellow, and green dance its way in the western wall. If anyone looks at them for more than a moment, they must savor spells or be memorizing, chanting a rhythm to chaotic evil. Okay, so first of all, did we fail that save and start chanting? Um, once one of you did, and uh, you guys had to knock him senseless to get him out of the chant. And then it says, should three or more voices be raised, the iron bell will so sound automatically by magic. Right. So there were never three of us that did that, and no. there was never the iron bell. Right. Be back in a minute.
So in that same room, it says if anyone starts chanting that the zombies, the guards, the high priest will come in. Did we ever have a fight happen in there because of that? No, not because of that, no. Because everybody, except one, always made their saving throw. So we, d we didn't really fight in that room? No. Okay. Um... Okay, so in the in the chambers of the evil priest, when we fight him, I assume we fight him in his chambers. Mm -hmm. um, it says that he uses a potion of gaseous form to escape. Mm -hmm. Was he ever able to do that once? Any other times? Um, you guys were not, you guys were able to knock the potion out of his hands first. With either an arrow, a knife, or um, just grappling. And then what? We kill him? Yep. Okay. And, okay, so the one time that he escaped, did we ever encounter him again? Yep. He was the um, high priest at the um, um, keep that you guys were at. At the keep of the Borderlands? Mm hmm The same high Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's that's a little messed up. <laughs> yes, it was. Okay, well, that's the main adventure. There's a couple of other questions. So page 24 has uh, NPC generator stuff. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever use this chart or the personality thing or the names? or? I did. I didn't like the results. So I'm, that's when I made my own charts. Uh, I still have a couple of those, but most of them are lost. Um, page 25, player, oh, player tips. Did we ever use these as players? Did you ever yeah. have these? Did you use them in play? Yes. It helped. Okay. When you guys read them, um, it gave you ideas of how you should play as far as the way the game really is supposed to be done rather than the way your Monty Hall dad did it. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, and the glossary. Did you need the glossary when you were reading these adventures? I did not need it. Because your vocabulary isn't that limited. Right. <laughs> I feel like the glossary is for 10-year-olds. Yes. <laughs> well, even I, when I was reading this when I was a kid, I still knew pretty much everything in here. Yeah. But that's because I read Lord of the Rings right. in middle school or before middle school. And last question... Oh, the, uh, these, this NPC list. Um, That's what I generated. You, you made these up all on yourself. Yep. Um, did, we, did we ever encounter this as another adventuring party in the caves, yes. or did we use them as ourselves or hirelings or what? Well, to, yes to all of that. <laughs> yes, you did encounter another NPC in the caves. Yes, you did uh, hire some from there. And yes, they were always, if not encountered in the caves, they were always in the uh, taverns that you went to. And I would roll to see which ones were there. Were there. Okay. Uh, Sometimes the same guy showed up more than once. Yeah. Well, um, I guess that's it. Unless you have any other comments. Um, it was fun when you guys figured out that the... Uh, Head priest at the keep was the head priest at the uh, caves. 
it created a real thought-provoking, how are we going to do this? And especially since he didn't get a good enough look at you guys to recognize you. Right. Because it was combat and it's all messy. Right. Yeah. So how did we resolve that situation? Uh, you fought him in front of everybody. Like in front of the in front of the chapel at the keep, or in inside the chapel. Inside or? the chapel, you chased him in. Okay. And uh, before everybody else could figure out what was going on, you'd already killed him. And then you guys were up for trial. And. And you produced all your evidence, and that you were tasked with uh, taking care of the problem, and you have. And so you won the court of opinion and were hailed as heroes and told to come back anytime you want. So with Don't that... Don't live here, though. <laughs> yeah. So with that... Um, so the high priest of the keep was dead. So who came to your place? And was it someone who was already there? You no, know, it was the one of the other NPCs. Okay. But it wasn't they brought in a priest from somewhere else? No, because they didn't trust anyone else at that point. Okay. Well, that's it for the Keep on the Borderlands.